Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Haven't done uh, a couple episodes of Feeling For It. I got kind of far behind on that. Um, as I was kind of alluding to and, and talking about in the last intro for the podcast with Ray Tyler, I was dealing with some family stuff. So later on that day when I had posted that Ray Tyler episode, I was uh, actually planting out some trays of microgreens and... Um, Got a call from my cousin saying that uh, even though my they'd plan on releasing my grandmother on Friday, that she'd actually passed away. So it was kind of sad, guys. But at the same time, you know, she lived a really good life. Um, she was 81 and, you know, went out the way she wanted to go. And I, and I can't really say that enough. I think, you know, I, I think that... Uh, I'm sorry to start the show out in such a downer, but you know, it's just, uh, I think that it, that's, it's a good thing, man. I mean, my, my Grammy was a happy person and even to the end, she was pretty funny and she was in a good mood and I don't think she felt any pain. So it was, it was interesting. So either way, I think, you know, overall it was a pretty good, pretty good trip. I got to see a lot of family and work, work a lot of stuff out and, um, yeah, you know, it's, you know, whenever, whenever a life ends, another life begins. So, um, want to share something with you guys. So this, and I'm just kind of starting out all deep because I do have uh, Mr. Javin Bernakovich on the podcast. Um, so I want to, to kind of read something to you guys and I, I posted it on Facebook and it's just something I started reading Gene Logson's book, Gene Everlasting. Um, actually Monday. And so then, then this whole thing went down Tuesday and I was actually kind of in a a weird mode because I went to a family reunion like that previous weekend and I was kind of feeling heavy hearted because, you know, my grandpa's getting old too. And he's, you know, as, as all, as you all know, he's like been a huge influence in my life. And, uh, so anyway, so this is how this goes. So, um, yeah, hope you guys appreciate this. There were, Long gray days after the burial, days too hard to recall when about the only thing that kept us going were those words of hers, and this is actually Gene Logston writing about his mother, so I should probably um, talk about that. So, were those words, <laughs> the only thing that kept us going were, were those words, okay, let's start over. Uh, okay, yeah, there were only, there were long gray days after the burial, days too hard to recall, but the only thing that kept us going were those words of hers that had kept us going before. When you get some real problems, you'll think you deserve the luxury of a nervous breakdown. I was traveling extensively then from our home in the Philadelphia suburbs. Always before, I could lift the telephone in Chicago or St. Louis or wherever and call home, and she would be there. So now I tried to call down those long, lonesome wires of the traveler, and no one would answer. Father was living there, but he was always someplace working. Sisters were around, but they were always out. And that is how I finally came to accept Mother's death. She was not at home anymore to answer the phone. A day came when I could go back to the cemetery. It was early, it was early spring in that flat Ohio country, country with, the, with only a little greening to it. I walked to the grave prepared to have the sorrow all plowed up again. I was thinking about the deaf and dumb how how deaf and dumb cemeteries were, the eerie display of granite and flowers, and li- live people standing over bones becoming earth again. 
And maybe that feeling of distraught desperation prepared me for what I found on my mother's grave because what I found bears not the scrutiny of logic. What did I find? A bird, a killdeer, sitting on a nest of eggs on top of mother's grave. The bird fluttered away at my approach, screaming in defense of her brood, pretending that she was hurt, trying to lure the intruder away from the life that was her life to protect. Mother always loved killdeer. She called our farm killdeer place. I had to smile, ignoring the tombstone. I stooped to examine the eggs. Infuriated, the killdeer charged me. She held off an arm's length. She held off an arm's length away, seeming to stamp her foot the very way mother used to do when she was angry. My son and bidden laugh rang out over the quiet cemetery. My children who were with me did not understand. They saw a bird and three eggs in the grass. I saw the spirit of my mother screaming in defense of creation, turning even her grave into a green cradle of life. Gene Logston. That's a good book, guys. That's from Gene Logston's second-to-last book, um, Gene Everlasting. So, yeah, we'll start the podcast off on a very sad note. But anyways, let's get in some affiliates. So uh, we're brought to you guys by naturesimagefarm.com. Uh, if you guys are still looking to um, get trees and stuff like that, Greg doesn't have much left. So go there and use code word sample and you guys can save 10% and actually get free shipping. So and there's so keep do that before Greg runs out of supplies. So which could be very soon. And I'm not sure I did this on the last episode, but this podcast is brought to you by audibletrial.com forward slash sample hour with over over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, Windows phone, or MP3 player. Yeah, so if you guys are interested in books, uh, you can always shoot me an email and I'll tell you books I recommend. So I actually asked Javin what he recommended and he recommended that new Trevor Noah book, which I was surprised because Audible's always throwing it into my face to, to download and uh, I always think, like, God, that guy's so not funny on The Daily Show, and he's such a hypocrite and all this stuff. Clearly, I'm not a fan of him. However, his book could be interesting. And if a guy like Javin says he enjoyed it, then I probably should look into it. So that's a good book to check out. Um, I just finished Thinking Fast and Slow. There's another book I finished before that, though. And I'm currently I'm reading Mindset. So Mindset by... Uh, Dreck, I think it's Carol Dreck or Carol Breck. Um, it's a good one. I like uh so far it's pretty interesting. Scott Hebert told me to check it out because I actually already had it. I got it from the uh mixed mental arts. I got it from Hunter Matz's uh reading list. Yeah, so Carol Dweck. So D W E C K, like you you know, you have a speech impediment. That's kind of how it sounds. Not making fun of anybody, anybody that has one. Um, I had one growing up. Totally lying. I did not, but my brothers did. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so check that out. Uh, so if you guys are still interested in taking Grant Schultz's free pawpaw course, it is still there. I know a lot of people go crazy for pawpaw. Apparently, most of the pawpaw we eat in Ohio at Pawpaw Fest aren't the delicious, creamy kind that, like, Eric Tonesmeyer and other people have. Um, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that. So check out the pawpaw course. It will tell you how to pollinate, how to grow pawpaw trees from seed. Uh, Grant Schultz knows his stuff, so it's pretty exciting. 
Um, rebooted body. So there is so total body reboot. If you guys are interested in getting in shape, um, uh, Kevin Geary actually just launched some monthly subscribing memberships. Check those out. You can also pay for the year. Uh, if you guys aren't interested in his course, I highly recommend you check out Kevin's podcast. Um, it's a great podcast. I enjoy it personally. Speaking of podcasts, if you guys are looking to start your own podcast, um, if you click on the link in the show notes, go to po- you can go to podcastblastoff.com. Um, and if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, it has uh, it's a podcast file hosting, custom mobile podcast website, complete suite. I just actually changed my website up to keep it, just make it as simple as possible just so people can come and listen. Uh, big fan of it. And then last but not least, if you guys are interested in profitable urban farming, um, Curtis and Curtis Stone and Luke Callahan's course, I'm a member of farming right now, and um, it's kind of kicking my ass. Well, not really. I feel like I'm doing all right, but I'm not. I'm just getting caught up with infrastructure, guys. I'm not going to make excuses, even though this is this is also the Drew Sample excuse cast. Uh, but you guys can get $100 off the course um, if you want to pay it all in front just by clicking on the link in the show notes, or you can do the payment plan. That's what I did. And then finally, to speed up. So if you want to support the show, um, I highly, you, you guys can actually do it via Patreon. So if you want to support the show, go to Patreon. Uh, you can click on the support me on Patreon picture in the show notes, or just click on the link and you can sign up. I, I changed it so you get extra content if you sign up for at least a dollar a month. So um, I appreciate any support you guys want to give me financially. You can always just uh, subscribe to me on iTunes or share me with your friends. Um, that's always appreciated as well. And then last but not least, uh, if you don't want to do that, you just want to give me a one-time payment via PayPal, there's a link in the show notes for that as well. With that being started, guys, check out Javin's new show. Oh, also, Javin is coming out with a course. We talk about, on this episode, Javin and I talk about the course that I did with him, and there is an online version coming out soon. I think there's a link for it now. Hopefully it wasn't too late and I didn't miss it. So anyways, guys, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Just over 10 minutes with the intro, and uh, I hope you guys make it a great day. So welcome back to the show, Javin. I do I do intros now. I kind of got my podcast more uh, dialed in now that I have time to think about it. But uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, for for everyone that does know. I mean, I I think a, people have asked me like I did that course with you and just kind of results and it's um it's been really good, man. It's uh it's been interesting. Like it it's like I I. I'm not always 100% on, you know, meditating every day as I'd like to or Mm. writing in my gratitude journal. But the days that I do, I notice a a bigger improvement and a bigger difference. And, and it's, and I think it's like just, just pairing everything in my life together. But it's like, you know, a lot of it is, is 
taking a lot of the stuff that I learned in your course, which was like a, a lot of it was a refresher from stuff that I'd read in different books over time, but never put it together on my own. Mm -hmm. And, and then once I've put it together and then just kind of applying things like applying, applying it in the sense of what am I actually in control of, which is a big thing we talked about. What am I not in control of? Or if I start to feel stress, um, uh, healthy reminders to myself of, you know, you were this time last year. It's, it's like, uh, when I, when I, okay. So just starting like getting the farm ready, like getting the farm ready. Cause I thought I didn't want to farm. And then I was like, no man, like it's, it's, it's something you actually do enjoy doing. You just enjoy sales a lot better. And well, there's a lot of things to unpack with this whole, this whole farming situation, <laughs> Javin. So Number one, so I worked an agreement out um, with uh, Rich Fratzel, who's been, I think he went to a couple of the PVs. I think he went to PV2 and PV3. And he was just in a position where he wanted to come to Ohio, and he had made an arrangement together with my buddy Greg before, but um, something had fell, fallen through uh, that was out of Greg's control, and Greg linked us up together, and it you know him and so it was basically like okay what's a way to reduce expenses what what was my biggest thing and you know from my mastermind group my good buddy kevin geary was like you know drew what you need to find is you need somebody to do the stuff you don't want to do like you have the opposite problem of the e-myth it's not that you're a baker and you're trying to run a business you're like an entrepreneur type and you're trying to apply those skills to something but the the nitty-gritty parts were you just don't you hate doing or there's certain aspects that you hate doing and so it, it it worked itself out to where um he's actually coming saturday to drop off his first load of stuff from connecticut and i'm trying to get everything in place so when he gets here i can plug him into a system and him and i can work on uh business operations and what we think is best so we can have like instruction manuals and everything and so we're both on the same page and then I can focus a lot more on the sales aspect and connecting with other farmers and, and everything else like that. And so it's kind of like a win-win. So it's something that I want to do in the sense that I, I want to help somebody that's, that, um, you know, I like working with somebody else. I think that was something else I realized, Javin, that it wasn't necessarily that I didn't like doing it. I just didn't like doing it on my own. Like I like as introverted as I can be, I do like human interaction like most humans do and i like working with other people um even though i enjoy my solidarity at times i also enjoy letting people in and, and talking to them and listening um even though i talk so much javin so <laughs> <laughs> you don't say yeah yeah since i started the podcast with hey welcome to my show let me talk for four minutes javin about what what i'm doing <laughs> Oh man, it's all good. It's all good. Um, it sounds like there's a lot going on. It sounds like you've got a lot of focus and you've got more balance. I think one of the things to give folks a sense of is our process and how this all came about. So <clears throat> you asked me onto the podcast. We talked a little bit about my process, how I work with folks. And afterwards you called me up and you said, Hey, um, I'm, I'm pretty interested. I want to explore this a bit. So we had that good fit call all the way back in September, September 8th. And yeah, in that, 
I go through a process. I do this with land and life-based clients. And I ask questions about, you know, what's the situation that brought you to the call? What's the problems you're looking to fix? What's the pain or frustration or implications of that? You know, what's the payoff of solving those problems? And, um, you know, you can edit this out later. You could splice it together, but uh, we talked, you said you want to be like transparent in this. So I'm going to go with you on this one, but. Oh, uh, no, you can, you can share anything. My, my biggest, my, you know, one of my biggest values is authenticity, Javin. So I don't, I don't have any, anything that's too private unless another party asks me to make it private. Well, you told me you were Batman, which started off the whole conversation. That was huge. And, uh, I was surprised. I'm surprised. I have to say, um, no, we, (laughs) (laughs) we talked about your problems and, and the things that you were specifically looking to fix. And one of them was, I just want to be as effective and efficient as possible. That was, that was a big piece. Um, you said, you know, it's really difficult to get something new started and you really wanted to get a good sense about that. I want to have an understanding of, of what I do, my limiting beliefs, how I can combat them and overcome them, have a better sense of life direction. I don't want to hide. I want to be honest. I want to be in control. So those were the problems that we started off with. That's, that's where we started off with. And our conversation was great. You know, let's, let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at some of the the mental uh, mindset, the strengthening, the sovereignty conversation. And started off to build a context, which, you know, from my perspective, and maybe you probably have a much more layman's uh, way of looking at it, but it's just a filter. It's just somebody saying, listen, this is the priority of I wanna, what I want to have true for my life. And everything that comes up to you say, great, does this fit the filter? So that's sort of the way I looked at it. Now, having not only gone through the process, but building the context and using it, what would you say? Like, how would you relay that to other people? I think that's, that's, that's definitely down. Like what, what my filter was, I think, you know, something I'd said to you a couple of weeks after, like not having a job and everything is, man, when I have my own 55 hours a week, that my best 50 hours, 55 hours a week to, to think about what my filter is that was huge too and i think like it was interesting because in the process of us doing this course i it was i knew i'd eventually get laid off i just didn't think it'd be that soon like i knew it was coming i planned on it coming but even then i was still kind of freaked out like i still was like oh what am i gonna do what is this what's what's next and then ultimately it kind of like started thinking about well this the stuff we've been working on like what what's actually important to me how do i want to live my life this is this is this is a gift versus this is something that's a detriment like this is what i really right. wanted so why am i so scared um and 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 and, and that was kind of it so that helped me so so having a filter establishing what i wanted my filter to be which took a little bit a while for us to do. I had I had these. I it was like I kind of had these um, altruistic ideas of what I thought I should be thinking, and then you kind of helped me say mm-hmm. like, "No, I want to live my life without my or other people's bullshit." I think was what our statement of purpose we decided on, and then that evolved. But I think like figuring out what was bullshit in my life that wasn't that was mine and what wasn't mine and other people's business that I was making my own business. I think it's tricky. And I think like, you know, I, I do have a big heart, which is an excuse I think people would use to make other people's bullshit their own. Um, 
but you know what can i really control and i think that was something that we had to go over quite a bit and i think whether it was issues with my relationship with my mom or relationship with family members or relationships with with just different things in my life what ultimately can i control and and i think that was the biggest thing that i've really kind of tried to 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 get out of it i mean like so so recently I was kind of stressed. Like my brother was there and I feel like I have to get all this stuff ready. Like I just feel this rush to get this stuff ready in my backyard, like to get these beds ready, get my hoop house cleaned out, to get this, get this irrigation going. So, and I wanted to get all these processes in place. And then I like had to sit down and I hadn't meditated that day. I hadn't wrote in my, my gratitude journal. And I just kind of like sat down and wrote, wrote on like my notepad and my iPhone, like, why what is making me stressed i just wrote down a question what is making me stressed and it was like well i want my house to be cleaner i wanted to enjoy what i was doing and i wasn't enjoying it and then it was like okay so why what could i do to clean make my house cleaner i could clean it so that's something simple so scratch that off why am i not enjoying getting these beds ready why am i not enjoying this and then it was like, you know, and I think it was like a, a thing that last year, Javin, when I was trying to do farming and work a full-time job, I felt, it, it, I was actually just thinking about this, just spending time out there. Like, I felt like I had to make that work so I could leave my job. But then that was never really the intention of me doing that was to quit my job, which was funny. And I told a lot of people, that's what I'm working on so I could quit my job. But the intention was always to have a backup plan for when I was laid off because I knew I was going to get laid off. And so by me forgetting the fact that that was supposed to be my backup plan, I hadn't actually enjoyed any of la- most of last year. I got stressed out. I burned out. I didn't even think I was a farmer anymore. I thought I hated farming. I told people I hated farming. I had Diego on and said, yeah, I'm really not a farmer. And he said something similar like, it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself. And then I was like, then I thought about that and goes, yeah, what is that? And it didn't really click until like a couple of weeks ago, man, that like, it's not that I'm not a farmer. It's just, I, I do think I could suit farming differently, but that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy just spending time out there. Like what else? Like, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in a position now to where, and we can dive deeper in that is like, I've reduced my burn rate, which was something else that we had discussed so much that it's like i don't need much to pay my monthly bills anymore <laughs> like you know what i mean so what am i not enjoying what it, what why would i get upset why would i feel stressed and you know i still have a desire and i still think i should channel you know a fear of not succeeding to kind of motivate myself cuz i don't think that's bad i think you know use my 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 emotions or use my natural fears again like for for, for positive reasons, but I don't think that, you know, you know, I think it's, it's, it's just, you know, dude, you don't have to wake up and, and punch a clock anymore. Like I own my time now. Like, yeah, I don't have as much money as I used to have, but that was never the most important thing to me. My time was always what was most important to me. And it took me a while to unpack it but at the same time. It's like, if I didn't have that lens to see that, then I would be just as miserable working at another job or I would have jumped into another job or would have made like a a hasty decision without actually 
asking myself, what is it that I want and what is it that's going to make me happy? Mm-hmm. When I, I think back and I've, <clears throat> I take pretty copious notes, so I've got the notes from each one of our, our conversations. The thing that really came up over and over with you is there was, there was a sense that you had allowed so many other people to dictate your life, to design your life, to allow you to give up your horse for, to pull somebody else's cart over and over again, that it was really hard to see the through line. It was hard to see, okay, so who am I? What's important to me? What's my priorities? What do I want to be true? And even now there's a bit of that conversation, like my time's important to me, true enough, but it's a currency. Time's a currency that builds everything else. And when I was just got uh, sent this new study, it's a 75 year study from Harvard called the Grant and Gluck study. Um, tracked uh, physical and emotional well-being of two populations, 456 men growing up in Boston uh, and 268 male graduates from Harvard's classes from 1939 to 1944 and 1939 to 2014. And the big secret about uh, about being happy from, from this study was good relationships. And I go right back to that that first to second call and there was there was a limiting belief we were working on. You know, part of the work I do is not only helping people to get a sense of what's true for them and what's the priorities, but also what are the limiting beliefs. And one of these beliefs that was occupying you is, uh, and this happens to a lot of people who feel like they're they're being over-designed, is they seek out to design. Design is another great word for control. You know, People who are overly controlled, they seek out to control others. And you had a parent that you were kind of occupying your mental space with, you were thinking they should do this and they should do that. And over one of our, our conversations, you came to a pretty cool, um, realization that this parent is responsible for themselves and I'm responsible for myself. And over that, uh, module in the next one, there was this idea of, you know, feeling a lot stressed. And when we came back to it, you had this incredible conversation about, how Benjamin Franklin rate, rated his performance about having a lot accomplished and that being able to better prioritize what was important for you allowed you to have a better relationship with your parent, which kind of took the the weight off your shoulders, yeah. so to speak. No, I, I, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it was even deeper. Like I didn't realize that my beliefs about what I thought my mom should be doing and how my mom, you know, puts others before her and, and it was like, it, it was something that like this belief was so much, which even if that's true or not, like she's my mom and my mom doesn't want me to tell her how to live her life. She wants me to just love her and support her and spend time with her. And it was like to the point to where I realized that I was uncomfortably putting a pressure on my mom to where mm. when, when she called me to tell me about Thanksgiving plans and I said, you know, I don't really want to do that. But it's okay, mom. Like, look, we can have the Thanksgiving we talked about later. And, you know, and, and it was something that was like such a relief for my mom because she was expecting me to like give her this lecture that like she, she, she like came into tears and was like, oh, thanks, mm. dearie. Like, I really appreciate it. Like, I'm so, you know, she was just so stressed out with other things. And it's like, you know, just because you see a, a, somebody that is in your life and you think that, what they're doing is bringing a negative thing in their life. You confronting them on that constantly isn't necessarily the the best way to do it. 
and it and it basically <laughs> showed me that it was actually hurting me and it was limited and that 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 frustration with my mom was tied to me thinking that I could wait to do something tomorrow because that was something that she'd always talk to me and it was like this weird connection that we'd made that my my opinions about my mom or what how I thought my what my mom should be doing with her life was like kind of a weird thing in that you know when we were my mom would always say oh slow down you can wait till tomorrow or that can wait till tomorrow and it's like no like it just do it now like it nothing needs to wait till tomorrow if you got time to do it now do it um now at the same time since I've been on my own time jab and I've learned that I'm always going to have things to do and it's important to set my own schedule and to to work when I when I'm ready to work and and get the right things done which I've heard you talk about with Diego um but I was always putting things off and it was like this constant thing of me putting things off letting them build letting them build and I still kind of and I'm still trying to get out of it because I like pressure like I like to put pressure on myself um, and I'm still trying to manage that. And I think, you know, none of us are perfect humans. And you've even shared with me how, like, sometimes, you know, man, like, I just want to play Game Boy. And then I'll I'll play Game Boy <laughs> till noon, and then I'm ready to go. And I think, you know, we all need our release. Or my, my buddy Kevin Geary says it's like your inner rebel that's ready to, that's going to come back and it's going to fight you. And I think, and I think that's like a real thing. And I think, but I, I also think that, like, you have to be aware of it. I think that's, that's, mm. and I think like, you know, your course with me or working with you really helped me be aware of things that I'd lost sight of within myself. That's such a really important point. And when you were going through that conversation about your mom, it actually started off with, why do I put things off? Yeah. That's where we started that conversation. It was like, I just, you know, the, the house is a mess. I haven't done the backyard. And I said, well, that's interesting. You know, what's that about? And we, we pulled it all the way back to mom. And normally the, the personal resistance that we have on a daily basis, we can pull back to mom or dad or mom and mom or dad and dad or grandma who raised us, whoever, whoever held that parental space, there was some sort of interaction. We talked about this, that you wanted love from this person and they gave you a certain way of operating. And because we're survival machines, we created some sort of programming, some sort of line of code that said, okay, well, I have to do this so I can be loved. And so we carry that through to the point of, and for me, it was uh, emotional eating. You know, my parents, uh, particularly on my, my mom and my aunt who raised me, uh, they're, they love their eating, you know, they, um, they're incredible women, they're dynamic women, and they're both extremely overweight. And you go on with that programming without making the connection to where it came from. And all of a sudden you're running this program for no reason. You're thinking, well, why am I doing this? What you came to, which I love, was you took some of the, the sovereignty tools that I passed along, this idea of having the sovereign state of Drew Sample, sort of medieval um, city-states with a wall and a keep and a castle and a town, but gates, gates that say who's coming in and who's coming out or what ideas coming in and coming out. And you took one of the tools that I passed along, which is my business, your business, and nature's or God's business. And I remember you over the, the first four uh, sessions just keep saying, you know, like, man, that your business, my business stuff, that continually blows me away. And that's this conversation you're having here. You know, what is 
what is my business to work upon? What is somebody else's business? And just when other people's business comes up, you kind of raise your head a little bit and go, well, that's interesting. That has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy to do too. And I think it's easy for people to fall into. And it's like, I've been really, um, I've been really kind of thinking about fundamentalism in a lot of ways. And it's like, you know, mm. I, I realize that, um, I had this, this, my buddy Hunter Motts on, and he's got this podcast called mixed mental arts. And, uh, it, you know, even in his community, like, you know, he, he talks a lot about fundamentalism and it was interesting. Like he went, like he go, he, he, he go, he go, like he has a lot of like hardcore libertarians and anarcho-capitalists and atheists coming at him. And it's, and it's interesting because it's like whenever you see people arguing or trying to tell somebody what they should or should think, or you are right or you are wrong, it's always this, this idea of fundamentalism. And I think that when it turns to that, that those tools of sovereignty that you're talking about, like that's really like, there's like this survival fundamentalist in all of us. And I think it's like this, this idea that we have to believe certain things or we have to do certain things and that's my worldview and that's what I seek comfort in. But then it kind of circles back to a sense of moral superiority. And I think it's in a, and then I think it kind of will dissolve and, and you'll find it popping up in other ways. But I think it always kind of ties back to it. I'm just thinking about just for myself. And and I think that's that's you know when it's not really your business and you're making somebody else's your business your business I think a lot of it comes from a, a, a self of a sense of moral superiority, you know what I mean? Or, or along those lines. Mm. And that, that's something that I've been like thinking about myself personally quite a bit. Like, it, you know, why, why do I want to have a strong opinion about something or why is this? And I, and I'm very opinionated, but at the same time, like I'll give somebody my opinion and then I'll have to say, but you know, that's just my view. Like you could think what you want. I mean, I just have to share this because it's like it's in my brain and it's I feel like it's healthy to share. But I, I try to keep a dialogue open with people because I think it's healthy to disagree with people. I think it's healthy to to not worry. I mean, look, people need to be listened to. and I and But I think it's important to just be in a position where you can listen to others and it not necessarily affect you. And I mean, like there's still things that I, I, I'll get passionate about and I enjoy being passionate about it you know, like whether it be small scale farming or anything like that. But I think, you know, I can't let somebody else's opinion ruin my day. And because somebody else's opinion is just somebody else's business. Brilliant. You know, all of those pieces are, are exactly on point. And you brought up a few points I want to touch base upon. One of them is, is living via principles versus living via recipes. When we live via recipes, I should, or if then, or in this situation I'm going to, we're going to miss out upon the magic that jazz or the magic that being a chef is of taking a whole number of different ingredients and making something exceptional in that moment. And when we began speaking at, at uh, sort of the session two, session three, and and what you're saying now, it's like when we walk up to a certain situation saying, this is how it must be, you know, I have to ensure control over this person or vice versa. You're coming into the situation with a recipe. And if you've ever come up to a kitchen that doesn't have the ingredients for the recipe, 
and you're really attached to that recipe, you get frustrated. You're like, well, I can't make that versus, okay, interesting. I'm capable individual. I've got good principles. I'm going to be a chef here. I'm going to take the fundamentals, the essentials here and go, well, one, I'm sovereign and I stay sovereign by understanding what my business is and what other people's business is and what nature and God's business is. I'm going to ensure that uh, I only suffer when I argue with reality. So what am I, what am I arguing with? And I remember, I remember a hilarious phone call. I think it was the last or the second last one where you're like, I just realized I was arguing with everything around me. Yeah. Yeah, I was. (laughs) There's this great moment where I was like, you got it because each of us has the ability to change our mental state on a dime. And if you don't believe me, think of a memory that you, uh, that you love something that totally gave you a lot of joy, you know, uh, a moment that a great success happened, a moment you had sex, a moment you had a great meal, and you will adopt the physiological response of having that thought. You'll have released dopamine and serotonin and a number of other um, uh, hormones and chemicals. And similarly, you can think a terrible thought and you can feel terrible. You can think about, you know, I recently had a truck stolen. And if I continually go back to that moment of going to where I parked it and looking up and down the street going, nope, I parked it here, I remember. And then that sort of drop of the stomach going, ugh. You know, I can, I can recreate that. And that's really where we get to a place that happiness is a choice to a certain extent. There's, there's a depressive chemical induced issue, which I had for a number of years that I addressed, but after that was out of the way every day afterwards, which has now been about three, four years, every day afterwards is a choice. Do I, do I approach the stolen truck situation and lose my shit over it? Or do I quickly send a text to uh, a, a life design client similar to you and say, my truck was just stolen. I'm going to be 10 minutes late. Make the call to the insurance, make the call to the police, start to get those machinations in motion and then go, great. I can't do anything about this. The fact that somebody stole this, and this is a tough one for folks, is none of my business. I, I can't change that situation. I can't argue with the reality that I just put in uh into this truck and this truck is now gone on the first day it was to come back to pick up a thousand pounds of mature honeyberries that a friend donated to me. Like all of that while hurting and feeling, and I feel it completely, but it's also great. I still got to do my day. I still got to run forward. And when you were having a situation, not with your mom, with your stepmom, I remember that being like one of these incredible initiatory moments where you stepped in not only to sovereignty, but into masculinity. Well, yeah, it was kind of, you know, seek to understand, not to be understood. Like instead of me thinking, um, you know, I'd done something that quite frankly, she had every reason to be upset with me about. And instead of like a part of me wanted to be a little kid and say, I was just laid off. You know, I need her to have my back right now. And she's coming at me with this bullshit. And instead it was like, okay, well, let's unpack this. What did I really do? Was that really it? And then I'd ask her questions. And then I, I tried to just fix it. I didn't get upset about it because it wouldn't have helped anything. Like, you know, I love my stepmom. I don't want her to be upset with me. You know, what did I really do? And then it was like kind of a, a learning moment for me that, you know, to the point where it was like, okay, so she got upset with me when we were all kind of drinking together okay, maybe that's the common denominator. Like after, and this is something I've unpacked more, like maybe, maybe, you know, there's misunderstandings because there's alcohol involved. 
maybe we shouldn't be drinking so much together. Maybe we should. And it's just like, instead of like choosing to get upset, I chose to ask questions about the situation. And, and I think it's, it's, it, it would be, you know, it's, it's easy to, to handle that and take offense. And then I could try to be, you know, a dick and try to say, you know, how dare you do this or make it about me. But instead I chose to make it about her because it's like, you know, clearly I've done something that hurt her feelings. Like we're pretty close. Maybe I should be receptive to that. Maybe I should choose, you know, kind of like what Stephen Covey says, seek to understand seek to under, understand instead of be understood or wait seek yeah i think that's how you say it sorry javin i think I, yeah you got her it flows better the way he has it in his book but yeah i bet mean, i think i mean that's that's kind of it like it would have been easier for me to just get upset with her but instead like you know i was like you know well, what what did i do you know what's going on let's fix this and i think it's like being proactive too i think you know that's the biggest thing. And, and it's easy, I think, especially with your parents or a family member to when you spend so much time with people from the time that you're a child till you're an adult, it's, you know, it's again, it's like those emotional reactions that you have are something that's coming from way before you became an adult or way before you thought about yourself. I mean, there's things even like when there's people that might rub you wrong, it's usually because what I notice is it's something that reminds me of of myself from the past or somebody that I dealt with in the past or something like that like I, I think I forget who said it but it's like the things you really don't like about other people or the things you really don't like about yourself and I just think that's so true man I, I think if you know I think that's the biggest problem I think that you know it's 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 just even interesting with uh cultures and everything else like that usually the misunderstanding within a culture is is that it's usually from cultures that are really similar, but then it's like there's this one little thing that they don't like about them, and that's that's a big no-no in our culture. So you must be wrong, and you must be evil, or or something like that. But I think it, you know, on an individual level, we do the same thing, and I know I've done it. I've done it plenty of times, and I and I, you know, I'm not perfect. I still do it, and then I have to catch myself and say, well, that's interesting. Just like what you you taught me, you know. Well, that's interesting why 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 don't i like this person or why is what this person's saying pissing me off right now or what why am i having this emotional response to the to the words coming out of this person's mouth or the actions of this person like why am i giving it that kind of control over me and and that's not my business like why am i getting upset if if i don't like it you know if somebody threw trash out you know what good is it to be for me to call them an asshole I mean, and then just walk by that trash. I could just pick up the trash and throw it away and say, well, some people just don't see the bigger picture. You know what? Like that's maybe they don't feel the same obligations to the planet that I do. So I think, you know, and I, I think, you know, it, and I'm not trying to dismiss that, you know, there are assholes out there, but it's just navigating through the assholes. Because I don't know if you remember, I think that was another goal of mine that was I don't want to deal with assholes anymore. <laughs> It, it was on there. It was basically the, the benefit of all that work was not having to deal with assholes. And I remember telling you at that point that um, you don't have to deal with them. You can't stop their existence. That's arguing with reality. But you can make the cognitive choice to not deal with them. And this really reminds me of a story where um, Curtis, had, uh, Curtis Stone had a, a client who wasn't paying him. 
and he was obsessed with it. It was like every time I talked to him, he was upset. It was just like, oh, you know, and fair enough, you know, it, it can hit you pretty hard. It, w- it was not a small amount of money. And, and he was kind of, you know, going over it, going over it, going over it. And I just said, listen, mate, this person is living rent free inside of your head. Yeah. They're not paying any money. And you've given them the keys to the penthouse suite. They're up there and they're trashing the place and they're not even there. This is just the ghost of who they are. And this is true for all of us. Every single one of us has somebody who kind of has unlimited access to that, that upstairs prefrontal cortex area. And it takes effort to say, wait a second. And sometimes that way of looking at it saying they're living rent free helps you to be like, what? Because that mental capacity is taken up by that person or it's taken up by the things that produce the things that you want in life. You know, bar none, we have decision fatigue. We have a number of decisions we can make on a daily basis that are high quality. And if the decisions you're making are, well, let's relive that argument again. Let's go back through that conversation. Then that's where that energy goes. The second piece is when we approach the situations in our life that frustrate us instead of knee-jerk reacting, if we start to program the reaction to be interesting, which is sort of the the base level of your response, because it turns you from being a, a, a respond robot or pardon me, a, a react robot into a thoughtful responder. Like, okay, interesting. What's that about? So it moves you out of the amygdala, out of the reptilian brain and moves you into that that cortex, that prefrontal cortex, rational brain. And you go, okay, interesting. Now, after that, you can graduate up to fascinating. So not just like, okay, interesting base level, but fascinating. That, that that's There's actually something to that. And then you can move to like a Jocko Willink response, which is uh, total and utter responsibility. And I think that's probably why I loved permaculture from the get-go, because the prime directive is arguably above or beneath in terms of foundation the ethics, and it's to take more responsibility for myself and for my children or that of my family. And that's what I love about your situation with your mom. And, and, and this for me is the quintessential virtue of masculinity is taking responsibility and saying, I may not have created the situation, but I'm going to respond to the situation. I'm going to flex not only the brawn, but I'm going to flex the brain and say, how best can I show up? How best can I serve? How best can I be of value here? And that's what you did. I remember you sent flowers and you had a lot of conversations. And I remember you saying the result was like anything else you'd ever you'd ever experienced because you just said, how can I show up totally sovereign without letting this person control my life and saying, great, this happened, fascinating. How best can I respond? And what do I want as a result I remember now, now the whole conversation is coming back. It was, you kept on saying, I want to have a good relationship with this woman. I want to have a great Thanksgiving. Great. I know what I need to do. This is what I want. Here's my actions. My actions equal my results. I know what my results are. Thus, I can backcast and say, this is how I want to act in this moment with this person because I'm going to take full responsibility for myself. Yeah, no, for sure. And that, that was, uh, that was kind of it. And I think, um, you know, I think it's still, I think I still try to do that as much as possible. And, you know, I mean, and I'm not, I mean, and we're not, neither of us are saying that you're not going to still react. I mean, you're always going to have an initial reaction, but I think, you know, what we're trying to say is you have to listen to those emotions 
And then instead of reacting to them, just listen to them. I mean, yeah, people are people are still going to hurt your feelings. People are still going to do that stuff, especially people that are close loved ones. But, you know, that's not always their intention to hurt your feelings. And it's not like they're, they're ever. And so I, th- I think it's important to, to, you know, and this was something else we talked about was it was important for me to, to see everyone in my, you know, surrounding and all my loved ones to see them where they were at and not, and I think it goes back to controlling. I'm like, man, if this, if this person was this way, it'd be way easier for me. And it's, and that's not, it's just not a, I mean, that's just not a real thing. And I, I, you know, it, people, people are going to be themselves and people, people are going to grow and at their own pace or people are going to, uh, maybe not grow, but, uh, do the opposite of grow, um, at their own pace. But I think, you know, that's, that's their business. That's not your business. I mean, if somebody, if somebody asks me for help or my opinion, I'll give it to them. Or if I know it's somebody that I would want to give me their opinion, I will do the same back to them. But at the same time, like I'm the biggest goal for me is to be, be there for that person or to be their friend, especially if they're important to me. Like, you know, um, I'm great, super grateful to have, you know, my buddy Greg Burns in my life, like Greg and all the other members of, you know, the Ohio GSD community that we've, we've, we've been, you know, moving progressively and they're, you know, moving forward. And it's, you know, these people all like, and it's, we all kind of have the same opinion. Like I was even talking to my buddy, Sean Brown, the other night, I went out to his farm and, and saw all the cool stuff he has going on. And it's just like, you know, we always, and I think it's like this common thing, you know, because we all respect each other and we all care about each other, but it's like, you know, should I really be giving my opinion if they don't ask me for it? And I'll, and I'll tell certain people, like I'll tell Greg, like, yeah, give me your opinion. Like, I want to know what your opinion is because I respect your opinion and I, and I think we, we view the world similarly. So I think that's important, but I, but that doesn't mean, you know, just any stranger or any, any random person, I should just be projecting my opinions on them. I think it's like, it's important to kind of cultivate relationships with people, which, which goes back to, you know, what's really important. And I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, my relationship in my community, which I think was, was what I was really wanting. And I think like at the time, that's what I was really wanting. And since like, thankfully it's just kind of fruited in my life. And then I have like, you know, these amazing local people that we can interact with and everything like that. And we like to get stuff done together and help each other out. And, and so I think, you know, to tie it all back in together, what I'm trying to say is, is that like, you know, it's not necessarily, um, that you're not going to get upset or your feelings aren't going to get hurt, but it's just like what to do next, like not to, not to give Mm -hmm. into it, not to feed into it. Um, but to, to acknowledge what it is and, and, and kind of pivot and observe it and then, and then focus on something else, which and a lot of that has helped me, what has helped me is meditation, like from something that, you know, you would really focus on, which actually you do a retreat for two weeks every year. And that was like one of the first conversations we ever had when we met and, you know, and we've discussed the benefits of meditation. And I'm like, I harp on this all the time on the podcast now. And I'll like, I'll try to ask different people that I respect, like, how has meditation changed your life? And it's, and it's like, because for me, like that ability to focus or that ability to, to, to observe my thoughts or my emotions and my feelings is it's, it's so intense now. Like even like today, like I, I love the app Headspace 
And it was like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing the, the series on focus now and it's like 30, 30 days. And I think I'm on like day, I'm going to be on day 20. And it was like today, even this morning, Chavin, like it was like, okay, so let's, let's focus on your body. Let's, let's go through, what are you feeling? What are the emotions you have? And then like, I just kind of like went and unwrapped. I don't even remember what I was feeling, Javin, but I know I was feeling something and it just kind of unwrapped in my brain. And then I hear like, okay, let's focus on our breathing. And then I was done with it. And it was like just this ability to like realize that there was something subconsciously that I was feeling that I wasn't addressing and that I mm -hmm. found it and I focused on it and then I let it go. And it was like this, this huge feeling of relief or this huge feeling of, okay, like I know that's exists, so it's not there. Um, and before I go too much, cause I always do this jab and I'm sure I've said things you want to comment on. But I really, uh, I started reading, um, as you know, like I was reading a lot of books on persuasion, but also like the subconscious mind, but I just read, finished the happiness hypothesis. And that's a, that's a great book about, you know, the rider and the elephant by Jonathan Haidt. But anyways, Javin, I'm sure you got some thing. I, I, I went off there on a tangent for a good, probably 12 minutes there. So sorry about that. No, man, it's great. It's, it's all, it's all jazz. It's all you know, good conversations are just well-woven digressions. Yeah. So, it's, uh, <laughs> Apparently I'm good at well, that sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, one of the quality of life statements, which is a part of this filter system that, that you went through this decision-making process that I've come up to and I've passed on to a number of clients as of late is tennis relationships. And I kind of look at it as you can have squash relationships or you can have tennis relationships. In the tennis relationships, you put a little bit of effort into the ball and it soars over to the other person and, you know, they hit it back. You know, that's, it's a, it's a brilliant, you know, back and forth relationship. If you've ever played the game of squash, you're trying to hit a black ball that doesn't bounce. Like only a white person would create such a, such a sport. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I can be self-deprecating against my own. My own skin color. Uh, it's just because you realize your privilege in the world, Javin. That's it. Well, there's <laughs> there's lots of things to recognize and there's lots of things to to acknowledge in this world. And um, when I take a look at squash versus tennis, it's like in the in a conversation, be it a conversation about a podcast or a conversation in a business relationship, you're looking for tennis relationships. You're looking to where it's a two way street where you give energy and energy is returned. You're looking for tennis relationships in the habits, the routines that you put into it, you know, doing uh, meditation for five years and getting zero benefit out of it is a pretty hard conversation. And most of us are preconditioned in this world to do things little, little over twice before we go, oh, that doesn't work. So there's sort of a place in between that where you, you actually give it a lot of effort, you give it a lot of try and you see what the results is and when it comes to meditation, because it's got thousands of years of experience, thousands of years of proof, thousands of years of evidence behind it, it's got an incredible backing and a number of different traditions of, of different people to take it at different places. And, you know, if the conversation that most of the meditation we're involved in today is to be true, that it all uh, goes back to the seed of what the Buddha taught. Well, supposedly the Buddha taught Vipassana, which is the meditation that I I engage in and, and you can kind of see derivatives off of all of that. But even if that's not the case, it doesn't really matter. It's not my meditation is better than your meditation. It's 
what works for you and do you come out of it a better person? Do you come out of it with more love and compassion for others, which will have better relationships, of course? And I think it comes down to the story that um, in this Vipassana meditation is is told. And I, I told to you a, a number of times because I thought it was, it was a, a poignant, potent conversation to have. And so this gentleman, he has an ailment and he goes to his doctor and he goes, doctor, this is my ailment. And the doctor goes, well, you know, because of who I am and my experience and all the rest of it, you know, this is the prescription for you. And this is sort of the level of wisdoms we can create. So the first level of wisdom we can create is somebody has told us something. Somebody has said meditation is good. And you walk away just like this man does. And he takes his prescription and he walks around and he tells everybody, oh, my doctor is so great. Oh, he's so intelligent. It's amazing what my doctor can do. But he's never taken the prescription. He's never filled it out. He's never taken it. He's never observed his body for the results. Sort of the first level. It's like hearsay. You hear from somebody else and you pair it over and over again. And we hear this a lot in agriculture. Somebody hears one thing and they go off and they talk about it ad nauseum with very little experience of it. The second level of wisdom, the man thinks to himself and he goes, well, you know, I'm not too sure about this. So he goes back to the doctor and he goes, you know, doctor, I'm trying to understand this. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've got this issue, but you gave me this prescription. And the doctor says, well, because of my experience and because of my understanding of disease and pathology, I, uh, you have these symptoms, you have these conditions. Uh, when I take a look at my experience and the people I've been with and these lovely certificates on the wall show that, you know, this is the rational course of action for you. And he, the, the man leaves and he goes, oh, my doctor is so wonderful. Oh, he's so amazing. And so he builds a shrine to the doctor. He puts a little prescription up there. He lights candles. He gives alms. He tells everyone to go and pray to the, the prescription. Still hasn't taken the medicine. Still hasn't done the work. And then finally, the third level of wisdom is going out, filling the prescription, taking the medicine, and then asking oneself, what is the metrics of who I am before I take this? And what are the metrics of who I am after this? And has it moved the needle? Have I improved? And on the very first call that I have with folks, we talk about a statement of purpose that addresses the weak links in their lives. And yours was bullshit. Yours was always talking about you know, dealing with or adopting or um, basically allowing other people to, to guide you through this label. And it's just a label. It could be called bullshit, could be called control, could be called design. We like, I like bullshit. But I remember sure. after that first my week, you started to use that filter. And that filter allowed you then to say, right, this isn't the life I want. Engaging with these folks, engaging in these conversations doesn't produce the results I want. And that's what I hear you say when you talk about the meditation is by results, this has been a useful enterprise to engage into. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I, I don't, um, it's amazing too. Like, I think too, when you, here's the, I mean, I'm such a, you know, I'm such an advocate for being self-employed and, and it's not a reality for, for everyone. And, and there no, and that doesn't make you any less or anything like that or make me any better. It's just something that I had, I knew I had to do because it's like, I, as much as I like people that I used to work with, like I'm still friends with a lot of them. They were good people, man. And it was, you know, it was tough to see us all get laid off because I, not everyone had, had taken that job the way I did, or as Diego said, taking the, taking the red, the red pill. And, you know, so, but the one thing is, is it's just like, uh, you know, I not having to 
go there and listen to people talk about sports. Like, tell you what, man, I didn't give a shit about the Super Bowl this year. That felt great. Uh, I didn't watch <laughs> March Madness. I don't even know who won this year. That felt great. And usually I'd have a bracket because it was like, you know, I liked fitting in with these guys. And I like, it was something to talk about. But not having those conversations, it, it's been it's been pretty good for me. It's been pretty good for me that when I interact with people outside of my own personal space, now it's 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 based on the people that I want to talk to. So now I, you know, I have more time to have podcasts or I have more time to think about who I want to talk to or you know, now the conversations are more the things that I'm interested in or more in the lines with what I'm growing. And it's and I'm not saying I don't want to talk to those people anymore cuz I don't want to sound like an asshole, but it's just like when you're around other people 55 hours a week or you know 40 hours a week 40 40 50 hours a week that you know you all are kind of sharing a bad situation together so you just try to make do and you try to get through it together and it to me it really is kind of like a man i mean i don't again i'm not trying if you have a job like i'm not talking bad about you i'm just talking about my own personal experiences but it's like you know when you work for somebody else and you're forced to sit next to somebody that you don't necessarily want to sit to or you have to eat a certain time of the day that you don't want to or it's only okay for you to go to the bathroom at time that is convenient that it it messes with you it messes with you psychologically it messes with you in the sense that you you feel a little bit lost at least i know i did as to what um you know what what you what your values are what's important to you or what what's that and i think you know had I not, I, I, and it's even more interesting too, Javin, because like, you know, when I first started the podcast, I was in between gigs. Like I was supposed to start at Time Warner Cable, which is where I previously just, just got laid off from. And I was working at Verizon and two days before I started, I was told, oh, we've rescinded your offer because I forgot about, I had a, like a public urination in my record and I forgot about it. And it was just like, there was a lot of self-sabotaging going on. And it, you know, it wasn't, you know, and it was just because I, it, it's weird to think about. So like, so when I reset, then I was like, there was a lot of stuff I had to deal with and I spent a lot of time by myself. And then I decided I was going to start the podcast because it was, you know, I needed to have a, a grounds to, to express myself and I needed to figure out how to, to, to think about what was really important to me and all this stuff. So then fast forward to the pretty much a month after four years later, um, it's totally different. Like I had the tools. It wasn't, what am I going to do? And it, there wasn't this feeling of, oh, I'm not, I'm not prepared. And I, this is what I always wanted, but now I don't even know what I want to do at this time. Now it's like, thank God I finally have my time. Like I can, I can wake up when I want to wake up. I can, I'm trying to like actually get up earlier. Like I've been reading a lot of old school books, um, to be like, I want to become a member of the 6am club and, and try to get stuff, be productive in the morning and, do my meditations and stuff like that in the morning. But if I don't that day, it's not the end of the world. It's like, a, you know, it's, it's not, and this is something we talked about too, which, which was like, you know, my goal was to meditate twice a week and, and we were trying or twice a day. And then we try to unpack it. Well, what happens if you don't do that? Do you feel like you, you didn't succeed for the day? And I think there's like, you know, it's just that healthy balance of, of wanting to improve, but, I think it what it comes down to, man, is just making sure that I'm t I'm taking time to enjoy my life. 
like you know when i when i go back to my brother and i working in my backyard and me saying hey man let me take a break here let me sit down and think about like dude like this is what you wanted last year like what are you getting why are you being a why are you being a little baby about shit like let's think about you have what you wanted like you have it so let's enjoy it man and i think that's so I think that's that's the biggest thing is like, you know, improving yourself is something that's fun to do. It's something that, you know, you you get to see results. It's something you feel good about, you know, and you're not always going to be 100%. Like I've been losing weight recently. Like and I've, I lost like 25 pounds and, you know, it was like I, I needed to take a break from, you know, cut it to, from being like really strict and disciplined. Like there was something that I was like, you know what? I need to take a break. And now it's like, you know what, man? I really want to get disciplined again. Like, I want to focus on that again. Like, I, I'm ready to make gains again. Where before it was like, oh, man, I just want to, like, this inner rebel in me was like, oh, man, like, okay, let's enjoy, you know, let's take some time to enjoy stuff. So I think it's like a, just that balance, man. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that this lens has helped me produce. You know, it's 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 good to wake up every day, meditate, write you know three things i'm grateful for what would make today great and then say okay what's kind of like your your statement of purpose for for the day or what's your affirmation for the day and you know something i say to myself every day now is that i'm focused disciplined healthy and wealthy and that's what i because that's what i really that's what i really want man and wealth you know i'm not saying i'm gonna you know i'm not saying that i wouldn't want to be a multimillionaire. but what i'm trying to say is, is that it's like you know to me, wealth is owning my time and not having to worry about how I pay my bills. And, you know, eventually I want to, and, and then I think there's always, you know, different levels of discomfort that are going to, that I'm going to use to motivate myself. But it's, you know, it's having the ability to acknowledge the things that I don't like and turning that into something that, turning that negative thing into a positive thing. And, you know, something that else that I got out of it was we talk about like my business, somebody else's business and God's business or, or another term I like to use is nature's business is, you know, God's business isn't good or bad. It's just God's business or it's just nature's business. It's not good or bad or, you know what I mean? And I think it's getting caught up on, oh, this is an awful thing that happened to me today. You know, you could miss out something that's actually really good that could be happening to you. So I, th- I think it's just having that that attitude of gratitude has really helped me these past few months and it's really helped me stay focused and really helped me have this feeling and focus on my like my feelings and how I'm feeling as I'm going through the day and how I want to feel, focusing on that and being aware of all these things on how to manage my day and using that filter to manage it, if that makes sense. Completely, completely. It's once you've, and you've done it, you've stepped outside of, the everyday control and you did that not by losing your job you did that not by starting your business you did that by realizing that up until that point you were consistently having designs upon your life that you had adopted or that you had said yes to and you just slowly started to step outside of that and be it from how you respond to daily situations how you respond to work situations, the recipe doesn't really matter. How you get there is completely malleable. But the state of being, which is the primary conversation that we have during this work, the state of being is important. And what I saw, which was so incredible about you going through the work was 
you moved from being a tangible goal-based person to an intangible goal-based person. You said, great, the car, the million bucks doesn't really matter. How I spend my time, if I spend my time, the freedom of my life, the mental clarity, uh, the thing that I remember you saying, that's what I want. The fact that there, nothing is worth the mental stability of our mind. Nothing is worth taking our mental stability. That's where you really start to change gears of going from, this is all being done to me. Uh, you know, this is terrible. I have to deal with these people at work. I have to listen to the banality of the, of the sports talk of March madness to saying, okay, that does take an effect on me, but I can also switch gears out of that and move towards what I want. And one of the things that you put down as a metric for success during our, our work was that you had more gratitude in your life. And every single time we met, we started with what are the successes? And this is something that we're not taught to do. We're not taught to take a look at our successes or to acknowledge them, but yet you take a look at any kid, any little kid, and he's trying something on his own and He's figured something out and he looks up to see if there's any parent there to, you know, smile and get acknowledgement from. And if the parent isn't there, he looks down at his, at his own hands and he kind of goes, oh, that's cool. Like I did that myself. And then he builds upon that. And we lose that in the cultural framework and the cultural lens of North America. We're constantly outsourcing our sense of self well-being by saying, who else out there can tell me I'm good? Who else can tell me I've done a good job? maybe it's the amount of money you're making. Maybe it's the person beside you. Maybe it's the boss, but the change, the big change is you saying, no, I decide if I'm successful because I set those metrics and I'm moving towards those metrics myself. Yeah, no, definitely, man. That's interesting too, because it's like, it's always cool because I don't, something that's rewarding to me is sometimes it happens is when I like, when I do stuff or I have somebody else hold me accountable and then I revisit with them, like I didn't remember wanting to be more grateful for things, but it's like, I, <laughs> I just like now that I'm more grateful for things, it's like something I take precedent. It's like, Oh, that's really cool that I'm doing that. I didn't even realize that I, that, that was, <laughs> that was, I don't because it was like when we first started, man, like I was so, like the weird thing was, is I hated my situation so much and it's going to sound like a baby because it wasn't a bad situation. I mean, a lot of people would have killed to have that job that I had or to have made the money I made or, or anything like that. But it was literally that I just wasn't happy. Like I knew I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. I knew that, you know, I, I knew I could give that job two years and I thought it would last two years. And then like literally before like um the weekend before i it was like the friday friday evening before the tuesday that i got laid off greg burns is over and him and i are talking about how i could transition and we pretty much came to the same conclusion that look man like you don't have a bad situation now and and it was kind of like the the whole point of me wanting more gratitude was i wasn't really grateful for my situation like I wasn't, I wasn't like, I knew I had a good situation, but I, I didn't enjoy it. I did. I enjoyed it for the light. A lot of, a lot of parts. Like I enjoyed being able to have people come and stay with me. Like actually the night before I got laid off, like Wilson Marsh came out and I enjoyed being in a position to say, Hey Wilson, let me take you out and show you the city. I'm glad you're in town. 
drinks and food on me. Like I like being a good host. Like I, I really did like like that aspect of it. And but it was like, you know, Greg and I had just finished talking about how, you know, it it wouldn't make sense for me to walk away from that job. Like there was no way I could ever justify walking away from that job and taking a huge pay cut. Like there was no way I was ever going to make that decision on my own. And then my uh, ex landlord, excuse me, um, we went out and uh, he invited me out to tailgate. And I like hanging out with him because he's like a, you know, he's, he he bets on himself and he's a different guy. He's a funny guy. And he was just like, dude, like, look, you're gonna get laid off, man. Like, there's no way that company can afford to pay you what they've been paying all you guys. I mean, they just spent $54 billion to buy that company and they could easily pay somebody in your same position a lot less money. And it was just like the reality, like, dude, just suck it up and ride out that job. And I was like, you're right. Like that. We literally had that conversation. Like I had that conversation with two people whose opinions I really wanted and who, who's I, who, who I like to bounce ideas off of. And then sure enough, like I was, I was laid off. And at first, like, you know, I came back and I came to Wilson and, and I'm sitting there with Wilson and, you know, Wilson is a guy from the, the, the permaculture voices community who I really hit it off well with. And I'm sitting there with Wilson. I'm filling out unemployment. I'm kind of freaking out. He goes, do you know what you're going to do? I'm like, you know, man, I think it's going to be all right. I think I'm just kind of in shock because I didn't see it coming yet. Like I knew it was coming, but I didn't see it coming yet. And sure enough, man, it all worked out and it felt good. You know, people like, you know, Greg Burns called me later on the week, like, hey, man, just making sure you're still feeling really good and uh, and you're still all right. And then I just felt really grateful because I had like Greg calling me. I had my dad calling me. I had other friends calling me to see how I was doing that I didn't work with. And then I was kind of in this position to where like I was in this good position and I saw similar people that I worked with in like uh, a more desperate position. Like they really didn't know what to do. And then, like, I took the time out just to visit with them and just say, look, man, like, just take this opportunity as a gift to, to figure out what you really want or, you know, have something on the back burner because that's what I did, you know, four years ago. So it felt good, man. I think that's when the gratitude started to, and I don't know if you noticed that, but I think that's when, like, the gratitude really started to kind of set in because it was, you know, I realized that I had a good situation because I didn't realize that as good as it was until I'd walked away from it. But then it was like, I realized that I, I, I was, I, I got what I wanted and I didn't have to make that hard decision. Like that decision was made for me. So it's, um, it's interesting to think about javelin. I spent a lot of time thinking about being grateful. I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what am I grateful for? Like I'm, I'm so lucky and blessed to have like, you know, our how GSD community in it. And that's another thing too, man. Like we had talked about Hogtoberfest and how this thing kind of kickstarted. And it was like, it was cool because I met a lot of people that listened to the show and I was like, man, they were all so cool. And then it was like, then it turned into more of like, you know, let's build a community like the old time ways. And then it was like, okay, now I have more time that I can, I can put into this. And then like me putting time into it made other people want to put time into it. And then it was like, now we just have this cool group of friends and family where people's kids get to hang out with each other. And if people have a daunting task, we all come together for free and help each other out. And it's, um, and it's something that was also really important to me. And I think, so it's like, you know, all these things, I'm just so grateful for the way things had happened. And I'm grateful that, you know, I I decided that, 
you know, this course that I did with you for my, my own personal stuff that, you know, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were talking, you're like, yeah, of course it happened right now. Like, that's just the way things work. Like just when we're working on, because I think that was something else too. Like I wanted to be efficient so I could walk away from my job. And then again, that decision was made for me. And, and then like now when I think about it, like I knew it was going to happen and the goal was never really to, to create something so I could walk away from my job. It was to have something for when that job was gone. And so it's, it's interesting when, when I, you know, when I take time to reflect on it and, and take it full circle about what, you know, where I'm at now and, and why I feel so grateful to be here. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's even carrying over to where, you know, my good friend was like, uh, my buddy Nick Hazelton said, man, I remember the first time I had you on the podcast to talk about what you were doing with urban farming. And I just remember you being so, it was obvious that you were frustrated with where you're at, but now it's like, you're doing it. And, and I didn't even think about that. Like I haven't, I haven't processed that. Like, oh yeah, like now I'm doing this full time. Like, oh yeah. Like, you know, it was weird. Like thinking, oh, I'm an urban farmer. Like I didn't really think I was an urban farmer. I thought it was just some dude bullshitting, trying to make it work. But now it's like, you know, like people are like, dude, like this is so cool. Like you're actually in the hood and you're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. Like I own my house now too. Like it's just like everything from this came from, you know, I never thought I'd be a homeowner, Javin. And then it was like, I didn't think I wanted to buy a house. And then it was like, well, it's stupid to not buy it now because it's going to save me so much money monthly. And if I have a lower burn rate, then I can afford to do this. Like, then there's a lot less pressure for me to make this work immediately. And this way I can actually really enjoy this process. So, um, again, there's another 12 minutes of me just talking, Javin. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're, we're, we're making it full circle because you're coming back to how I need it to be making it the way I need it to be and taking a look at all situations in the perspective that works best for you. Yeah. You took a look at the situation that there was this, this opportunity or there's this, pardon me, there's a situation and you can look at it at an as an incredible opportunity. You can say, great, you know, this is an opportunity for me to be totally present, to find the opportunity in this, to find the good or the great in this, or you can sit there defeated and, by taking it up, by allowing yourself to just be totally present to it, you say, great, the only thing I can change is my perspective. My perspective is, this is awesome. How? And as soon as you say, this is awesome, how? Your brain turns from, this is terrible, to, when we talked about this, most people think critical thinking is negative scanning, like taking a look at something and seeing the issue. That's not critical thinking, that's just negative scanning. Now you're actually critically thinking, saying, great, what's the value here? What's the conversation, the coaching coursework? One of the major things we took a look, took a look at is, oh, that's interesting. You know, you've got this incredible, um, you've got a way to reduce that by either speaking, negotiating, or purchasing an option, open up the possibility that there's something else here. There's something else that I potentially I can find instead of always be a renter. You took that and said, yeah, I'm a renter, but maybe my landlord wants to get uh, less money if I pay in a different types of currency. Like you were open to the possibility, whereas truth, this is truth, this is truth. And when I've heard all the way along, we've had a couple of moments of talking on possible 
out out in the world or out in your life. For yeah, I, I definitely am more dynamic. I think it's I'm more open to. I think it's like when you lock yourself into a reality, <laughs> or you lock yourself in the way you're interpreting reality. You're you're setting yourself up for whatever life you don't necessarily want. I think if you're always open to a positive, positive like possibility then you know you're in a lot better shape and i'm not going to say that you should take it you should take every option i think you know having developed you know having more experience right. now being 32 and experience different things in my life and and really realizing different things i mean it's it's if i'm unfamiliar with something i'll read about it and then i'll seek out somebody you know a friend or family member that knows or has more experience in that area just like with buying this house like i didn't know that there was an option to have a family member be my mortgagee like i didn't know that was possible i didn't know i could get a low interest mortgage by paying a mortgage to a family member and i didn't know that was an option but i just went to friends and family or i didn't i didn't know so one thing that happened was i knew my buddy wanted to sell the house so I said, hey, I'm interested in buying it. And he said, well, I don't really know if I want to sell it now because I just sold my other house. And then he came back to me a day later. He said, if you can get make this happen in two months, it's yours. So I went through the list and ended up getting a family member that um, immediately said, tell him I'll pay him this much money cash. And then it was like a little negotiation. And then the deal was done. But it's like, oh, this isn't like a car where we just take it to a title office. I mean, like, I have to figure out what's next. So I, you know, I picked my friends and family's brains. Uh, you know, my my good buddy Greg Burns was, like, telling me the importance of if we were doing this type of transaction, how he would be doing it and what what's important for me to have certain aspects. And Because I never bought land before, so that was super helpful. And then I shopped around and realized that, the the lawyer we're already working with actually worked for a title company because I didn't realize that in Ohio, real estate lawyers typically only work for title companies. So there was like just a lot of, it was this great learning experience, but the great thing about it was is that everybody won in the situation. So the family members making money by me paying him this mortgage. My buddy made money because he sold his house. Um, and, and I win because now all this work I'm doing into my backyard there's not a question of, well, I'm renting. Should I really do this to make this work? At this point, should I just find someplace else? It's like, oh, no, man, this is your house. Like, you own this. This is your spot. Like, this is your this is your part of paradise to carve out in the world. Like, you being in this neighborhood. And, and, and there was, I mean, there's other good things, too. I mean, the neighborhood's on the rise, like, my mortgage is three twelve a month, and I could rent it out for seven fifty. Like if you go to Zillow, that's how much the rental rate recommended is for my home. So there's just a lot of good positive things, and 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 I attribute a lot of that to me being open, like me thinking differently, me being creative, and me trying to make doing figuring out everything I can to make this situation work. As soon as we realize that life is 100% negotiable and everyone is making it up, the folks that in the first place made it up, the folks that are giving us options now are making it up, all conversations, be it finances, be it uh, leaving work, be, a, be it staying at work, but staying at a partial time. Farmers I work with, 
they continually look at what's out there and they go, okay, that's all the options we have. And recently I was speaking with a, a farmer friend of mine and, and consultant and, uh, you know, he's looking at jumping into spec food as a way to do farming because he doesn't like the CSA model. And so we, we chatted a bunch about it. We chatted about, okay, you've got weddings, you've got caterers, you've got events, conferences that need to be, um, need to be supplied with food. So instead of having to, you know, have food every week for a bunch of folks, you say, great, I'm going to grow this much food for this conference or this much food for this wedding. You're doing spec food. You're getting uh, a lump sum. You're, you're getting this whole process, but you know, that's not on the option table. That's not on the menu. And so people think that that's not possible. And so once you take back the idea that everything that you've been told is a truth for somebody else, but is probably in some way, shape or form doesn't quite fit for you, or is it of a lie for you? Then you open up the possibilities and that's, that's the genius of what you uh, Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good way to end the show on me. And I think that the possibilities are what you make of them. And I think life's negotiable. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I think for anybody having, uh, you know, and I, I talk, I mean, he's one of my best friends, but I say this a lot. I think, you know, finding people, surrounding yourself with people that you want to have a similar lifestyle to, whether it be if you value homeschooling, you know, try to find people that are homeschooling their kids that are are living a life in this with the similar values that you would live. And I think, you know, I forget who said it, but, you know, we're the we're the we equal you typically the five people we we hang out with the most or the sum to we're the sum total of the five people we communicate with the most. So I think that's uh that's important for I think people to take into consideration. Like figure out seek out people in your area that are or seek out people on the internet that are doing things similar to what you're doing or you want to be doing. Um so Javin uh just want to throw that in there. So if people want to 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 do the same course I did with you or people want to contact you, what's a good way for them to do that? Yeah, thanks so much. Um, I've got an online version of the course that's being piloted in beta in mid-May, and there's an opportunity. I've got five spots left in that if folks are interested, and I'll pass along the link to uh, to Drew here to put out. Uh, if folks want to take a look at a larger conversation I do with Life Design, allpointslife.com, you want to listen to more podcasts that I've done with Diego or with Drew as well, you can go to allpointsdesign.ca forward slash education forward slash podcasts, or you can just drop me a line if you want to work one-on-one. -on -one. Um, sometimes it's great to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation, that back and forth, and there's a lot there that can be garnered from folks. It's been great to work with you, Drew, and it's been great to work with our contemporaries. And the more we can stay sovereign and not assume the designs of other people, the further we can go. And I'm just, man, I'm, I'm just so, uh, so impressed with how far you've taken the work thus far. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> you know, you always think you can improve, but it's, it's been good for me too, because it helps me realize, you know, how far I've come. Cause you don't always think, I think when you're doing the work, you don't realize it until you, you kind of check yourself back with people that, 
you know, you, you had a conversation with and you decided to live your life a certain way. And then, you know, thankfully you took good notes. So you could be like, yeah, remember that's a big thing you wanted to do was focus on being more grateful. <laughs> I didn't remember that at all. Like, that's so funny. So, um, yeah, that's great. I, I highly recommend your course. Uh, the one-on-one action for sure. I think, you know, as, as, as an, I consider myself an autodidact, or whatever the correct word is like I'm, I'm i i teach myself a lot of stuff but there's you know there's there's a lot of i also like my leisure time and there's a lot of times where i like to put pressure on myself and i let things stack but i think you know the one-on-ones there's a lot of things that it's it's good to unpack with somebody else and i think that the 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 analogy we used was it's like i have car problems and i drive my car all the time so I'm overlooking things, but sometimes all you need is somebody else that that is familiar with that car to take a look under the hood, and you're and it's amazing how obvious some things are when you have a different set of eyes looking at it. So, um, but anyways, Javin, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, everybody, thanks again for tuning in. Looking forward to bringing you more episodes soon. <laughs>